but the people now don't know where you're from our international audience <laughs> well i mean i suppose they'd have to discover it organically yeah. we'll rediscover oh. it opinion okay so i'll wait for you to say miriki and then they will know <laughs> i'm not going to say that <laughs> miriki no nobody says that but nobody all says... your people say that look <laughs> you know you can be describing no peter let me tell you how it would come up organically so i'd ask you something like mm-hmm. so we know mm-hmm. did i had for breakfast right i had tea i like my tea black this is something i also add in my bio because i thought it was cute but it's also because i i don't usually have a lot to write so i said i drink black tea and so you'd say i don't like black tea i like my tea with miriki and they would know where you're I would, from <laughs> i would not say that no one says Peter. Hey. <laughs> okay, for, for for anybody listening who doesn't know where we're from, because I'm going to assume that eventually people will hear this will not. Uh, <laughs> one of our 100 friends, right? That we will right? gain worldwide acclaim. Yes. Yeah, so... We will gain worldwide acclaim and people will look back at these episodes. We'll look back at these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, as the beginning of school, but five sentences ago, you just said you 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 phrased a certain word that would let anybody who's paying attention know that you were Kenyan. When you said um, Richard, the word manage, you said manage. Manage, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and 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 Trevor Noah has a skit on this, right? So he does. Yes, I I was applying for a job and then I had to practice, right? So I had to practice saying management, management, management. And I still don't know which one is the right one because I would say management. Yeah. <laughs> don't say. No, it's ma- it's management. It's definitely management. I can't say management. So I'm going to see management. I would know that <laughs> Yeah, I every time you say that I'm like, wow, this is such a such a Kenyan thing. Every Kenyan I know says that. I say manage management. One to the quote um, which yes. is which we think is from Hemingway. Um mm-hmm. well, I think it's from Hemingway, but the quote is love also is a kind of devotion. Also it's a kind of devotion. And um, we're supposed to be discussing it, right? Yes. Yes. So, would you like to? Well, I mean, I I should begin by being honest. Um, <laughs> I I've I've yet to develop the patience for Hemingway. I think that's. 
and it's sad because I've tried reading him. I've tried reading The Sun Goes Down, which is apparently where you should always start with Hemingway. Um, I just can't. The Sun Goes Down, not The Sun Also Rises. Oh, the sun, the sun goes down. Is what am I thinking about? I think that was a set book we did in high school. The sun also, the sun also rises. Yeah. I've tried. I think. Okay, first, I don't have patience usually for short stories. I've I've read one, which was when a man you falls from the sky. Kind of immoral. It's immoral to not have the patience for short stories. And I, I didn't say immoral. I said it's a kind of oxymoron. Oh. <laughs> um, yes, but... You it's, don't it's have that... patience for short stories. I don't, because you know what short stories need, right? Because so little is given to you by the writer you need more presence to add to what little material they left you with and create the world for yourself. And I think that's why I lack the patience for that. I feel like for the short story to be enjoyed, you need to give it more attention than you would a longer read. Because the longer read allows you to be lazy, can be very passive. Everything is there for you. You just need to glide along. The short story, I feel like a hired contractor, right? And this is my first day on the job. And they've given me this materials and they've told me build the house. And here I am standing on ground, not even the foundation is laid. And I have to create it with my small, I don't know what I'm thinking about. Whatever they part cement with is the only tool that comes to mind. <laughs> and, and sand yeah. is much first in construction. And, mm-hmm. and what is the novel like by comparison? It's like a guided tour, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's why I say that reading is such a deceptive I won't say intellectualism, but I'm sure that's not the word I'm looking for. But because reading is such a, especially reading longer texts, it's such a passive thing, especially when you've done it for a long time, you don't really need to be there. Yeah, You understand that what you're trying to get is a general idea. So it can be very passive. Yeah, So I always feel like reading a novel is a guided tour. They even they push you slightly and then they lead you by the hand and they show you here, here, and here is where you need to look. Um, It's a very lazy sort of experience for me. I always feel like the short stories work. If you feel that way about short stories, what do you feel about poetry? I love poetry because poetry isn't so much And this is why I like when my poetry is completely an abstraction, right? Because I never feel like poetry is something that you create, right? Poetry is sort of, um, it's like, it's what I imagine bird watching is. So you don't, you don't create the birds, right? So you stumble upon one and then because 
I assume they read up on these birds <laughs> and then so they can recognize them in the world in the wild yeah so I'm thinking that's what happens so you're just you know gazing up at the sky with your binoculars yeah? and then you see this bird and you're like yes I know this one I saw it somewhere right so poetry for me is that it's a an epiphany right like right so I'm reading Cesar Vallejo and I found him I found this very small quote um, that Ocean Vuong Ocean Vuong is one of my favorite writers because he's a poet who wrote mm-hmm. prose so it came out as poetry and when he was mm-hmm. letting us know he has his second manuscript out uh, he did this little quotation he said um, the quotation was uh, forgive me lord I've died so little it was Cesar Vallejo. And this is how I always find my writers, because I read for the writing. Mm-hmm. My God, I get that. I, I understand exactly what that means. But I want to read more of his work. But mm-hmm. he wrote me in Spanish. And then the translations I found, I didn't quite like them, but I did find the poem. It was Agape uh, by him. Um, so the whole poem is quite... It's quite sad, right? Um, but I did find a line. And then he said, and the last line was, in this afternoon, I've died so little, right? And the whole thing was supposed to be a poem on loneliness, which you would never get if you just read it. But you understand it on a visceral level. So poetry for me is that. Is, uh, this, is, this is the feeling and you have captured it, and you have trapped it in your words. So I do not have to define myself, right? Like you understand what I am. It's poetry for me. Short story is not this. So that poem is called Agape, or? Yes, it's called Agape. I think I can find it somewhere, but that will take time. Um, Wait, I think, isn't that, so agape is a kind of love, right? It's a type of love. Yes, and that's, I found it interesting. It's a kind of love. Um, Isn't it the one that, was it Peter? (laughs) I think of the disciples, him and Luke are the only ones who come to mind. So, was it Peter who talked about, no, who described, am I thinking, (laughs) yeah. Am I confusing the disciples with Aristotle who talked about the four kinds of love? I don't think it was the disciples, but I'm not <laughs> sure. But but um but no, but you were talking credit. about mm-hmm. you're talking about that poem, Agape, where that line is Forgive me, Lord, I have I've died so little. I have died so little, which yeah. reminds me of um that famous quote by an American soldier who said, my only regret is that I have but one life to give from my country. Mm-hmm. Something to that extent. Anyway, because I'm trying to bring this back, so I'm trying to bring the digression back to the topic. We're talking about love is also, love is also a kind of devotion. I'm happy at how fluidly you're doing it. It's really an art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's interesting. Wait, it's interesting yes. because okay, so here here's my grand attempt at connecting everything we've just said. So, yes. We said love is also a kind of devotion. 
And then we started talking about the kind of presence. Let's mm-hmm. say, let's use the word presence. The mm-hmm. how how much of you has to be there to read a novel or to re- to read a short story or mm-hmm. to or to uh, a poem. Then you read this poem called Agape or a line from it. Where he yes. says, forgive me, Lord, I have died. I read the whole poem. Give me credit. But I just, I got the line. I, I, the whole poem didn't stick for me. The line did. Yes, you read the whole poem. Yes, and um, you. then you said something about poetry. You said it's, um, could you remind me the exact phrase that you used? I don't want to misquote you. I have also forgotten, but the poem understands me, right? So when I read poetry, I feel understood. I feel seen. Someone said this is what they wanted their writing to do for people, that they wanted the people who read them to feel seen. So when I read good poetry, good for me, I feel that the poem has explained myself to me in a way that I could not. May I read something that you that you wrote just because it relates to this? But don't do it in that voice you do when you're trying to show me how <laughs> all my poems are the death of hope. <laughs> which, which, which actually, and you have to give me credit for when you do this, because I have to do this. That would be an amazing title for a collection of your poems. All my poems are the death of hope. <laughs> you just that would be a great title for a book. Oh man, and then you put all your dark shit in there. People would love it. <laughs> Nobody would love it. Okay, but fine, yes. Read me what I wrote. Well, it's not exactly what you wrote. So for the for the people listening, we have this thing that we do where sometimes mm-hmm. I write down the things that Gadoni says. I am your un yes. Oh sadly, yes. But yes. So but I wrote this recently and I thought it was really good. And I think it 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 has something to say about explaining about poetry explaining us to ourselves. Something about that. Anyway. Um, I, I, I call it nightmares, but I don't know what you call it. Nightmare. All my dreams involve losing things. I never find them. The thing I lose is always immaterial, like a pair of earrings or a pen. Except in the dream, it's the most important thing in the world. I feel myself going into a state of terror. Sometimes I just lose my way. This time, something different happened. This time, someone found it the thing I lost and brought it to me. I like that poem. You like that you made it. I like what you did with it. You made it a poem. What do you mean? Like when I said it, um, I was explaining a state, right? Which was very accurate. So I was trying to describe for you my dream. Um, all my dreams and how they occur. Then, you know, there was a time I tried to keep a dream journal. Then I figured out what, what you happened? figured out in one minute. <laughs> it is. 
which is that all my dreams involve losing things. So I, I figured, well, yeah, this is it. So <laughs> I had no need for the dream journal. Um, <laughs> well, would you have figured it out without it? Uh, actually, no, because it did help me for the time that I did try to keep it. It's what enabled me to see that I have repetitive dreams, right? The theme remains the same. Um, so you're right about that. It did help me sort of see the pattern, but I also realized it was not so much in the dream because I thought, in fact, that's the time I was trying to read uh, Carl Jung, yeah? Because he has this mm-hmm. whole interpretation of dreams. Yeah, so I tried to read him. I But I thought, bro, I, I don't feel like this... What does he call them? Okay, his whole explanation is that the same way you evolve physically, right? Even the human psyche evolved. So that when we look at our dreams, there are things that we got from our younger, like our past selves, and those things don't change. So you just need to understand what every, I've forgotten the word he uses, because it's not archetype, but it's whatever comes up in the dream like the lion will always mean something because it meant something to us to our baby pastels right um but i mm-hmm. didn't i didn't find the imagery that he spoke about in this his interpretation of dreams in my dreams right so i realized for me dreaming is a very very personal state so even if it is true that the human psyche evolved and all these things are the same for all of us. I think dreams have to be interpreted subjectively, right? So I have to understand what this means in my life, right? The same way, and this is why it matters to me that what I lose are earrings because I don't care about earrings in my waking moments, yeah? I don't care what earrings say about our ancestors. I know I personally don't care about such trinkets. So when they come up in my dreams and I lose them and I care about it, I know that means something to me, but it would not mean something objectively. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, when I think about it, going back to that poem and you said somewhere in this conversation, you said that poetry is like bird watching. Like Mm -hmm. you don't, create the poem almost like you uh, like you recognize it or you find it and then that's what you were talking about in that poem where you said all my dreams you know my dreams I've lost something mm-hmm. uh, and um, to me it, poetry is like that also for me in a sense it's like a kind of like mm-hmm. finding something like when you find the line that you want to write, it feels like um, try like looking for something in a way. Mm-hmm. But the way that you look for it is that you have to be very quiet. So it's about it's about silence, you know, like bird watching, you can't be loud. You have to be quiet and watch. Um, in this case, listen, I guess. But yeah. yeah. What is your comment? I do. I think 
sorry. I think I do agree with that. Um, I also I also find that when I'm writing poetry, I'm I'm trying to capture a sentiment. Yeah. I know I was explaining to my editor because hopefully I will have work coming out in January <laughs> because uh, it remains to be seen. I was trying to explain to my editor because I write poetic prose. I don't write poetry mm-hmm. because I feel that this is how emotions are felt. It's never flighty because I always feel like poetry is that sometimes. I've read grounded poetry, but most poetry I find um, is very flighty. You sort of can't quite catch it, right? So the same way when I I was telling you about Cesar Vallejo and I said, this line stood out for me, but everything else has escaped me, right? Mm. Um, So... That's why I I like poetic prose, because I feel like we don't experience things like that. Like we experience moments of solidity and then moments of flight, right? And we don't, it's not in short bursts of of lines or, or verses. It's sometimes just very, very long and then it breaks up and then there's just one line of incoherence. And then it continues on sort of like a lucid, semi-formed thought. And it breaks off again. Mm. I think that's usually what I'm trying to capture. This our inability to think in purely one way. But maybe that's still poetry. But uh, just to take us back to where we started and left... <laughs> I don't agree with Hemingway um, that love is a kind of devotion or that it should be, right? I don't think it it should be. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it is that. Yeah. Why not? But then... What should it be instead? Hmm. Love should be okay. Fine. Um, so I will just first explain. Um, it's one of my favorite. Okay, I think he's my favorite writer of the moment. As James Baldwin, and he says that love is a battle. Love is a war. Love is a growing up. So battle war is overdone. Yeah, but love is a growing up is what stuck with me, yeah? Mm -hmm. Because I don't think devotion is the right word or is the word that you should use to describe something that has to be both received and given, yeah? And I wonder if I find myself, or let me... Let me just state, let me just give a caveat to this. So I do think love can be a kind of devotion, but only to things that are inanimate, like to pursuits, right? I feel like I'm devoted to my yoga, I'm devoted to my writing, but the writing only needs to exist to be loved, 
it doesn't need to do anything else. And you can't do this for so a I person. Feel with people. No, I don't think you should do that to a because? person, or you should, because I, because also I think it places an unfair burden on them. So the first thing that I'm going to say, right, is it places an unfair burden on them, because I feel like um, so something that Gustave Flaubert said in Madame Bovary. He said. But idols should not be touched, right? The guilt comes off on the hands. I was trying to explain how the idea of a perfect love crumbles because the moment you get too close to someone, you realize all their imperfections, right? I feel devotion should be spared for things that don't exist in the human form because the human form is primarily a vessel of disappointment. <laughs> And I say this in the most optimistic way possible. Ooh, wait, just to pause you there. Are you referencing yeah. him? Is he the one who said the human form is primarily a vessel of disappointment? No, that's that's just me. Let me not put that oh. on Gustave Flaubert. <laughs> that's just you right now. Put me. Sadly. The human form is primarily. Okay. <laughs> oh. Next point. Mm-hmm. Sort of point is more of like a, an essay broken up, right? So, yes, because uh, to human is disappointment, right? Um, I just don't think that devotion is the right way to love people. I think you should love them with a quiet understanding of the ways in which they will ultimately disappoint you. And this is, this is, this is, this is love, yeah? I hear you, but I think, hmm. I think you can be devoted to something that's imperfect. You know? Mm -hmm. I think you can know that something is inherently flawed and bound to disappoint. And this doesn't need to lessen mm -hmm. your devotion or your... Because, I mean... So part of the reason why I think that it's it has to be a kind of devotion is even from a from a religious perspective, there is a constant idea of mirroring or, or, or creating a thing to be a mirror or, or to be a reflection of something else. So God reflected created man so we could so he could see himself. Right? It said, let us make man in our own image. Yeah. And when Adam saw Eve, he said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So mm -hmm. there's this constant recognition of oneself in the other. But within the context of um, the religious connection and the, that, uh, the, the romantic one, or the physical one. But there's, there isn't so much a, a distinction drawn. In, a, in, in the sense 
the devotion is a kind of it's what we said about madness no <laughs> no it's what <laughs> no, it's not a kind of madness it's what we said about poetry when you said that it, it it understands you is that what you said yes so you know when you're writing a poem you everybody has this moment of clarity where you feel like the the high that you're chasing when you're writing is a high of being of, of for a moment you get a clear glimpse of the nature of things in if, I don't know what to say. You understand what's happening, and things are clear to you. And in that moment, there's a high, there's a kind of joy and and elation that comes from that, right? And I think that's what we get from love. I think that's the the devotion is that is that to see yourself reflected in somebody else. Um, that's that's why people say they feel understood. That it's that you've seen yourself reflected somewhere, and that's how mm-hmm. you feel understood. Um, and that's why it sort of takes on this religious um, aspect. Love is a kind of devotion because it does require that. Like it, you do. There is also a kind of long suffering it's sort of like so if you look at love as a devotion from this perspective right we love god but god is perfect mm-hmm. so god god yes. doesn't disappoint us but remember also god loves us so we we're constantly disappointing him yes and we disappointed him so much at one time he thought let me what was he going to do he was just going to destroy the earth then he decided no let me send you my son whom i so love no wasn't he going was he going to destroy the world before that well that was not that point we had not reached there yet it happened with noah i don't know when else you're referring to but you mean after Noah? Okay, so before we got Jesus, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you say we. Are we counting ourselves all here as Christians? or What does that mean? No, we are counting ourselves all students of Christianity. So before we got, so I'm looking at the Bible as, as literature to be analyzed. So before we got Jesus, what was the plot line? What had happened, right? Like what was... Because that was after he flooded everything and then it was just two of each animal, right? So I will just wipe all you guys and start over, yeah? Yes. So after that, is it that we continued to disappoint him and then he thought, no, what I need to do is I need to find someone to take upon the sins of the world. So these people can be cleansed and I can be less disappointed in who they have become. That was always the plan from the beginning. It didn't just occur to God to do that. But, in, but minus the fact that it was a long-term plan, that was exactly it. 
So it's this, it's the, the mm-hmm. devo- it's a devotion unto madness. Actually, I've never thought of it like this, but I think religion is, as an example of love, it's mad because it's saying, I love you so much, I die for you, which is madness. Yes, which is, yes, exactly, which is madness because fine, we can leave that to divinity, let divinity do that. But are we going to say that human love should also get to that point because I get the mirroring, yes, but we acknowledge that God exists in His own, own, in their own perfection, yeah. So why should we try and apply the same metric to human love when we understand even <clears throat> the God who created us understood us and realized that we were not turning out to be the perfect creations he thought we would be. Because he said, love one another as I have loved you. Mm -hmm. So everything is an example of how to operate on a higher level. Okay. Things are supposed to be that. But fine. But he also killed us. Let me just, for context, (laughs) did he not blood so also his anger right because i'm sure somewhere in the old testament he said um, for i your god i'm a jealous god right that's somewhere there am i wrong i feel that if you take it to those extremes right that love as god has loved you right then you have to also take into account the lengths that that love has driven you Right, And that's why I always think that love in human form has to be measured in accordance to what our heart can bear and what another human being can give to us so that we do not get to the point where we flood the earth, (laughs) so to speak, um, as also a manifestation of love. It's actually, I've never read it from this perspective, but if you read these stories as though if, as if God were a person, so if you said this is a person yeah. making these decisions to flood an entire planet or to send an army to slaughter women, children, and babies and animals and everything, you know, that kind of stuff, you would go, this is a mad person. But to set it
might go. 